Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hey everybody, this is Alan Montecilio, and you're listening to The Bay. So our host, Erica Cruz Guevara, ECG, is on a much-deserved vacation. And for the next few episodes, we thought we'd bring back an old friend, someone that you all know and love. So I'm happy to introduce once again, drumroll please. Devin Kadiyama, what's up? <laughs> hey, what's up? Devin, thank you so much for doing this. We're really, really glad to have you back just for a little bit here. Of course. Here. Why don't you first remind folks what you've been up to since you left the show? Yeah, yeah. I, I've been the editor of Talent and Development, so I've been working with our interns and some of our on-call staff um, and working with newsroom leadership to think about you know the direction of KQED. So you're going to be hosting uh, this episode, the Friday episode, and then Monday's episode. I assume it's like riding a bike. I mean, how do you feel? <laughs> No, I feel really good. I feel really good. I'm always in good hands when I'm with you, with you all. So I feel really comfortable. Um, but uh, I know I have big shoes to fill because I've been uh, listening to ECG and the Bay team and just been a real fan from, from the sidelines. So yeah, it's good to be back in it. Well, Devin, thank you again for doing this. Maria and I are really excited to have you back on the show. So I'll hand it off to you. Take it away. I'm Devin Kadiyama, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. For the last two years, California's unemployment system has been super overwhelmed. One of the biggest issues has been the lack of language access for people who don't speak English or Spanish. Now the agency that runs this system seems to be turning a corner, but it wouldn't have happened without constant pressure and even legal action from advocates. When people don't have access, there's a lot of assumptions that it must be working fine if you're not hearing about it, instead of reading into the silence. Today, the changes that California's Employment Development Department has been pressured to make. What do we know about the scope of this problem? Like how many people in California and how many languages are we talking about who might be impacted? It's really hard to quantify how many people have fallen between the cracks when it comes to gaps in language. Mary Franklin Harvin is producer and reporter with KQED's The California Report. She's been covering problems with California's Employment Development Department, or EDD, since the pandemic began. What we do know is, according to the state attorney general's office, in 2015, there were around 7 million Californians who reported speaking English less than very well. And according to documentation from both advocates and state legislative offices, nearly 2.5 million Californians don't speak English or Spanish. 
but there are over 200 other non-English, non-Spanish languages being spoken by Californians. And so there's just tremendous linguistic diversity in the state, and it's part of the richness of who we are. And I talked about that with Winnie Gao, who is senior counsel with the San Francisco-based Asian Law Caucus. Language access has been a huge issue um, for a long time, actually, at EDD and other government agencies. EDD has had dedicated support for more languages than just English and Spanish. Previously, there was phone line support, for example, in Spanish, Mandarin, Cantonese, and Vietnamese. But the system has been so overburdened throughout the pandemic. And there was this combination of language access not being prioritized and language access not being prioritized in an already overburdened system. So even though, you know, there were phone lines in certain other languages, the chances that people who needed that support could actually reach the people who were providing it was very slim. How has this impacted people? Can you give us a sense of of how not having adequate access to different languages has been affecting people over the last couple of years? A few things that I heard from advocates. One is that people were relying on their friends and family members to bridge gaps. I heard from one advocate, they heard from people who were relying on their seven and eight year old children to speak to EDD employees. And much worse than that, people started relying on these third parties who could often be predatory. There was a whole cottage industry that came up during the pandemic of these third party systems where people who were desperate ended up paying people huge percentages of their unemployment just to get through. Some of these predatory third parties would actually hold applicants' login information hostage. I spoke with an advocate named Marisa Lundin from California Rural Legal Assistance who told me that one client of theirs had waited seven months to get their unemployment support only to realize that the third party person that they were paying to help them hadn't even submitted their claim. Really hoping people realize they don't have to pay, they don't have to risk sharing their sensitive information with someone who may or may not be trustworthy or even know what they're doing. And, you know, I would interview people during the pandemic who would um, tell me that they had paid these third party services. And I would say, well, you know, I know an advocate group who can do this for you for free. And they were just shocked. And at that point, it was too late. Even with advocate groups helping people out, I imagine the process could be could be really hard. And like I imagine people are um, not really knowing you know, what the updates are. Yes. I talked to a man named Joaquin Lopez who lives in Arvin in Kern County. He's a farm worker. When I talked to him at the end of February was in between farm working seasons, which is why he needed his unemployment. He didn't think he would be able to work again until the end of March. He speaks Spanish and Mixteco. 
And so in a way, he's in a more advantageous position than a lot of people because EDD's website is better equipped in Spanish than Mm -hmm. it is in a lot of other languages. But, you know, one thing we also have to think about is how confusing a lot of the language in these government forms is, even if you do speak the language. It's legalese. It would be hard for any of us to understand. And Joaquin, when I spoke with him, didn't know the status of his claim. And he was scrimping by, not eating as much as he normally would. While he waited for his payments. And, you know, one thing that really struck me that he said was that he felt like he had put in what was asked of him by the government to get the support that he's entitled to, but that that effort had not been reciprocated on the government's behalf in terms of, you know, the return that he was getting. Coming up, what EDD has and hasn't done to improve language access. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. Has EDD been doing anything to address these problems, especially around language support during the pandemic? So EDD has slowly been reinforcing its infrastructure, mostly in response to legislation that has been put forward um, and funding that has come out of that legislation. They've been expanding the number of dedicated phone lines that have been available in certain languages and expanding written documents that are available, the the number of languages. But it has just felt like the agency's response has not been reflective of the level of need that has clearly been available But I think that advocates feel that this settlement that was announced at the end of February is finally more in line with the level of need. What is the big thing that really shifted EDD to kind of compel them to take the next step where we're at now? What is this legal settlement? 
So the Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles filed this discrimination complaint in the summer of 2020. And basically what that complaint was saying was that EDD was violating state and federal mandates around language access because of the lack of language support that they had. In response to this complaint, EDD is going to be drastically expanding the steps it was already taking. EDD already had dedicated phone lines in multiple languages. Again, the problem was that staffing wasn't as robust for those as it should be. There was previously phone line support, for example, in Spanish, Mandarin, Cantonese, and Vietnamese. But this new settlement will add lines for Korean, Tagalog, and Armenian. EDD is also going to have to provide interpretation over the phone in real time. One of the big issues that happened is that people would call in and need language support, and then EDD wouldn't be able to provide it on the spot. And they'd say, oh, well, we'll call you back. And people would be waiting for weeks upon weeks for these calls, or people wouldn't have the tech tools, which often included needing a front-facing smartphone camera to answer the questions that the representatives had when they called back. So what advocates are hoping is that being able to capture this opportunity when people are actually on the phone in that moment to provide the the support that they need will make a difference. And if EDD can't provide that support in the moment, they're now required to provide it within five days. You know, I'm very grateful and I know the advocates are grateful that the agency is taking these big strides, but it is disappointing that it took almost two years to get here and that now there are many fewer people who need the support than did before. And what we don't know is how many people in this process just gave up. Do advocates feel like, you know, these changes are going to make a big difference? How are they feeling about that? You know, one thing that they told me is that even though EDD agreed to settle um, this complaint, they decided to go ahead and register all these requirements in the court. So there's basically this legal document um, standing that says EDD is obligated to do all of these things. I think that they're encouraged that there's literally a legal document holding EDD accountable. And, you know, along with that legal complaint, it's just important to remember that EDD is not going above and beyond by building out these services. EDD is complying with the law. All Californians, including these claimants who are entitled to these benefits, that pay into these benefits, they you know, desperately need these benefits in time of crisis. Um, and Winnie Gao talked about this. This isn't something extra. It's not like a charitable thing. It's 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 a legal mandate. In the meantime, it sounds like, you know, people are slipping through the cracks. And I'm sure a lot of damage in the last two years has already been done to a lot of families. Yes. Again, it's so hard to quantify because a lot of people don't really have the tools or they don't really have the time to connect with these advocate groups. When people don't have access 
there's a lot of assumptions that it must be working fine if you're not hearing about it. And I talked with Marisa Lundine from California Rural Legal Assistance about this. You know, she feels like some of these big agencies like EDD sort of take for granted that everyone is being served when when they don't hear from them. Instead of reading into the silence and trying to figure out why you're not hearing from certain communities um, and why people aren't raising this as an issue. Uh, and I think that's what organizations like ours do. We, we look into the silence and I think we dig in a little deeper and we ask, well, why is it that you aren't serving these communities that we know are present? Last question. You know, you've been reporting on this for a long time. In fact, I feel like maybe maybe more than anybody else in the state. What are you going to be watching going forward? One thing that I think it's important to keep an eye out on is as these language support systems go into place, uh, I heard from advocates about concerns around mistranslations in government documents. So I think it's very important. And, and the advocates who I talked to um, who were behind this complaint said that they have worked extra hard to make sure that these backend systems are going to be reinforced. There's so much data that shows that people with these language access gaps often don't have the tech support that they need to get through to EDD for their benefits. And the irony is that they're the ones who need the support the most. Mary Franklin, thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you, Devin. Thanks to KQED reporter Mary Franklin Harvin, who started following EDD developments all the way back when the pandemic first started. To see more details about how to get help applying for unemployment, check out the link to her story online in our episode notes. This episode was edited and cut by Alan Montesilio. Producer Maria Esquinka added the music and the tape. I'm Devin Kadiyama, filling in for ECG over the next few episodes. Talk to you later. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.